thank you so much for joining me with this very special interview with the great Gary Wayne. Uh, this is one of my favorite scholars to turn to for the subjects we're going to talk about today. You can find his work at Genesis 6, the number 6, Genesis6conspiracy.com. And I have his fantastic book sitting with me right here that he was gracious enough to sign and send my way. It is a volume of research and all kinds of amazing stuff going into ancient times to unpack some of the mysteries of the ancient times that I think are actually very relevant in our current times. And uh, Gary, always so good to have you, man. Um, and I'm, I'm very glad to have you featured in this interview because I think we have a lot of important information to cover. Well, thank you for inviting me to talk about this topic. And I think it's one of those areas where people haven't really scrutinized what's right in front of their faces and then asked, okay, well, what does that really mean? And where did that come from? And why do they do the things they do? And why do they display the things that they do? Because they're interconnected. So I think this is going to raise some eyebrows and uh, create some curiosity, I think. Well, and that's what it's all about. We need to show people that um, what's happening now isn't new. It, there's a lot that's gone into it. There's a whole history, even just ideologically, um, what I've been trying to get into with Cult of the Medics is talk about the occult ancient history of what we now call the medical industrial complex. And, you know, the, 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 basically the groups behind it, uh, it, this is just one branch of a big tree of things that we've spoken about on previous unslaved interviews. But um, I wondered if we could start with the concept of pharmakia which is the Greek word uh, where we get the word pharmaceuticals, pharma, et cetera. I can't help but think too with that word, you know, you've got the pH farm and then you've got the F-A-R-M farm, but we'll, we'll hold off. But um, pharmakia, this was something that was talked about in the biblical scriptures. This has been spoken about actually in a lot of different traditions. Um, you had sent me a, a years back, you had sent me a sort of list of a lot of different references that you had in your research for this pharmacia concept. So maybe you could just give me a, just a basic overview of pharmacia and its ancient roots. Yeah. So when we look at the word pharma, pharmacia as from a Christian perspective uh, and sort of work backwards because it's part of the end time prophecy. So we want to be able to understand what happened before so we can understand what's happening today. And you have three words that show up in the book of Revelations. And it's in Revelation, throughout Revelations, uh, but particularly underlined in Revelation 18 with an organizational structure that works closely with an end time global government. It's partly a merchant organization, it's partly a religious, it's a city, and it controls the political nature in the first three and a half years and slightly before of the last seven in end time prophecy. And in Revelation 18, it says that Babylon deceives and leads the world astray through sorceries in the King James Version translation. And that's the Greek word uh, phaya. And there's three words that are got revelations, uh, 5331, 5332, 5333 from the Greek language of Strong's. And it's pharmakia, pharmakos, and pharmakos. And they're basically the same words, just sort of different um, combinations like sorcery, sorcerers, things like that. So, and that is defined as not only magical arts, but also 
magical spells. So in some English translations, you won't see sorceries, you'll see magical spells. And this goes back to a concept that goes back into ancient history that is wedded, embedded into the secret societies like the Rosicrucians and the Freemasons who created modern science as we understand it today to develop the seven liberal arts and education away from Catholic oversight from Rome and education outside the church and universities and science today still pays homage to that society which is the Royal Society and in 1662 they formed their charter and they called themselves the last of the sorcerers and the first of the scientists and a sorcerer in the secret societies and in polytheist religions would be a priest or a priestess a wizard uh, uh, or a merlin all those sorts of terms that we associate with magic was associated with the religious aspect of the development of ancient knowledge and so this is what is sort of coming about as we see pharmacy come down through the etymology in terms of treatments and therapeutics which is all very very important and all sort of tied together so when we look at the aspect of pharmacy we see that show up in pharmacies that distribute drugs today and they distribute therapeutics that treats people as opposed to necessarily cures people and it's the pharmaceutical companies today which are the oligopolies that are working with other oligopoly corporations and left-leaning governments to not only bring about a global socialism let's say a national socialism on a globalist scale and are trying to bring in a complete new system that includes implants so they're all sort of working in harmony together to bring this about so that's kind of the overview but when we look at modern secret societies and Gnosticism, which is their religion, it has an ancient history that goes to the beginnings of time in prehistory. And it doesn't matter whether or not you're talking from a biblical perspective or a religious perspective of before the flood. It also arises again after the flood, which is probably more concurrent with what we're talking about in terms of the roots that we would understand it today. Wow, so much there. That's brilliant. And it, it triggers my mind because um, I did in chapter five and chapter six of this series, I've been talking about the idea of the alchemically modified man uh, being one of the agendas that's been going on. I could argue it as being something that's been going on for quite some time that um, there's been, it seems to be starting with this ancient pharmacia um, and, you know, the, the abuse of these different, you know, traditions and using this knowledge in a way to alter nature, to alter things from their natural state into a modified state. And that obsession carried into doing this to the human being, the way I see it, where they look to alter humanity, which also plugs into what we're hearing nowadays about this transhumanist movement, where they want yep. to merge man with machine and basically bring about the cybernetic human 2.0 age. And so do you see it like that? Do you see the lineage connections to what we're seeing right now with this push for modifying humanity? And you have people like Klaus Schwab with the World Economic Forum, uh, which I'd love to get your take on in a bit. But we have them coming out and actually saying that this great reset that they dream of includes resetting the human being and changing humanity so that we're more suitable 
for this new system that they would like. So in my mind, this isn't new. This started in ancient times and is just carrying forward in a modern way when what we're seeing today, right? Right. And so let's sort of break down some of the things that you're talking about and link a few dots. And you're talking about alchemy, which is the sort of science that the Rosicrucians are most acclaimed for, as well as keeping their history and their genealogies and their belief system and their religion in, in place. And alchemy is the product of multiple sciences that come out of the seven sciences. So that's why it's so high up on the secret society chain in terms of what they're sort of studying. And it develops what they call the absolute, which is the ultimate wisdom, which can do a lot of things, including destroy the world. And so that means they can get back down into subatomic levels and levels that, you know, we can only imagine as to what is being working on today. And alchemy goes back to the chem of Mendes which is Azazel of Mendes. And chem is sort of the root word for in blackness as is alchemy. So it's the root word for alchemy out of the Egyptian religion as we would understand it before the flood and after the flood. And so Azazel is the fallen angel in the book of Enoch that provides most of the illicit knowledge to humankind, including medicine which is where this sort of all intersects, as well as war and a whole bunch of other things. But he's the one that sort of provides that knowledge that we see show up again after the flood beginning, mostly in uh, Greece, uh, Egypt, and in the Mesopotamian region. And, and they're all in, interrelated. So we need to look at this knowledge as being ancient knowledge that is we're almost revisiting as in the days of Noah, for the end time as we catch up to the level of technology that they might have had before the flood that we've been trying to get to from a polytheist and wisdom of the world perspective uh, since the since the recovery after the flood and it's been in development all the way through and so when we start to look at the things that they're they're able to do you start to think about this new man concept which was part of National Socialism in Nazi Germany. You have the same sort of concept that they're trying to create these super beings, immortal beings perhaps in, in the New Age, in the Fourth Reich that they were trying to recreate, or the Third Reich as they were trying to recreate. And then the globalists would sort of classify that as the Fourth Reich today in some circles. Uh, so same sort of continuation of that ideology, just more advanced knowledge. So now we're looking and sure at to, the sure to interrupt you there quick, uh, Gary, it, it would also just because you're there. Um, I did. A, I've done a few little pieces on the occult roots of the Nazi ideology in Germany, going into the Vril and the Thule societies, etc. So it wasn't just a political movement. There was an occult influence that was behind a lot of went, what went down in Nazi Germany, correct? It was, and it comes out of Gnosticism, which created theosophy, and then they overlaid Grail and Volkish ideology and the real concept onto theosophy uh, to create something that they called Ariosophy. And Thule was like an ancient Atlantis. It's either Atlantis or it's a sort of a, a civilization that was there at the same time, but just as advanced as, as Atlantis. And more in the Norse mythology is Asgard as opposed to Atlantis. And so they developed the Rice Church in 1933. And this was this Aryan 
And again, Aaron goes back to the same ideology of Thule and Vril and that they believe that the original Aryans were giants and that the uh, Germans were descendants of those giants and they were wanting to recreate them as the new man, first through the ability, just through it sort of selective breeding, so to speak. But they were thinking that if they could recreate the original DNA and the original bloodlines that could recreate these demigod beings that were around before the flood and then again shortly after the flood. And so, yes, it's, it's deeply connected as to what we're seeing today with that. And the Nazis had this incredible rush of technology that isn't really accounted for, it comes out of nowhere. If you listen to the, to the Nazis, they say that they were talking to their spiritual masters who were providing this knowledge. So they develop things like, you know, the tiger tanks and things that are still used today because the technology was so advanced and rocket engineering and single wing uh, spaceships and on and on, not spaceships, but aircraft and on and on. So they had this, this inexplicable advancement of knowledge. This is what we're seeing happen right now. It's almost sort of akin to that, but more closer to getting to the goals that they wanted. And all of it comes down to, not all of it, but a lot of it comes down to the world that they want to create and the type of beings that they want to create. So when we look at what alchemy could do, it could get into the subatomic level, sub-cell level. It could also manipulate genes and it could um, <clears throat> change and make animals into chimera type of of, of creatures, just as we have that word chimera being used in uh, DNA technology today, you have all of these creatures that are created in polytheist religions and legends and history throughout the world. All of these creatures that have many different aspects of animals to them, but they also had the demigods, which were the heroes of all those is sticking with the uh, the, the Greek analogy. And so this is that absolute science of the development of the alchemy that they're trying to reproduce so that they can create this new age with, with, a, with a global government, but only for the chosen. Right. So they, this is another form of eugenics where they're trying to eliminate the undesirables as they determine it in a variety of ways and to use this ancient alchemical knowledge that is now covered with the language of science, but that's really the same ancient magical tradition just looked at with technological modern language. Is that correct? Like that, like what we, we call medical science, for example, um, not that it's all bad, but it's interesting how there are many, first of all, the symbols of the medical institutions and organizations are all from the ancient times you're talking about. So that's a dead giveaway. And then also the, the driving goal behind a lot of it, which is like you said, not to heal someone and provide them with the tools to take care of their own health, but to basically introduce conditions where you need to rely on them. So there's a good business model there, but there's something deeper than just a business model. There's a bigger agenda that you're saying that is there to alchemically modify humanity and even change the environment here, almost like a terraforming process. And then because they know that they can't just ideologically drown out this penchant we have for freedom, right? As human beings. So they've decided to work on the subatomic level, as you're saying, and the psychological level to alter humanity, to be more suitable for 
what? What would you say? For the type of beings that they want to own the earth and, and live on the earth. So they believe that there is a gene of Isis, which is also the word mm. the polytheist religions say that the word Genesis comes from. And of course, Isis is one of the mother goddesses, a fertility goddess, an offspring goddess of Egypt. But it's that gene of Isis that they're looking for uh, that is, 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 it has the ability to transform humankind into demigods so make them like a physical god in the physical universe and they're looking to do that and supply all of the other things that are sort of around that concept that are required of a god like immortality and unlimited knowledge and unlimited powers and, and, and things like that so that's where those ideas will start to intersect down the road but only for the ones that they believe are of the right bloodlines and have some of that spark of the divine, as they call it, or a thousand points of light as it's used in new world orders that they're looking for. And so they've created databases all around the world to start looking for the selective people that they would like to have in if they accept the concepts and the beliefs that, that they're going to be talking about. And when we talk about this whole idea of DNA and we talk about the imagery of the scientific and alchemic and the uh, medical associations, uh, we have to understand that all of that is permeated with polytheist gods, right? All the buildings, all the names for things comes out of like Greek history, Roman history, things like that, all out of polytheism. And that's because it's behind the scenes, like the wizard behind the curtain, just as the secret society adapts our sorcerers and wizards, you have them pulling all the levers as to what they can study, what they can do, what they can develop. And there's, there's only room for one point of view. And we're starting to see some of that manifestation today. And when we look at the DNA aspect of it and the medical associations, we get two common symbols in medical associations today. One's a worldwide and commercial and the other one is professional. And in one you get a single serpent wrapped around a staff of Hermes or a Scapleus, depending on who you're listening to as to where it comes from. And then the other one is, is the double serpent wrapped around the same rod, just as the god Ta in uh, antediluvian Egypt had this same symbol and just as Anki has the same symbol and all representing sort of the lord of the all sea uh, as being that rich into the supplying of this knowledge that imagery of the double spiraled serpent is dna when you look at it in terms of how it's visually looked right, and right. when you start to see serpent imagery tied to this kind of science and knowledge then you start to say okay what does that represent well in wisdom in the ancient world it was represented by the serpent and just as the therapeutate of heliopolis where a lot of this medicine was developed and therapeutic is for treating as opposed to curing so they were the brotherhood of the great white brotherhood of the therapeutate as it was being developed to help heal and they were developing medicine. So they're a, a, a medicine cult and they were a wisdom cult. And that's why you have the snake that is representing both 
wisdom in mysticism and the represent representational symbol for mystery schools and for medicine. And it goes back to their ancient gods who were serpent-like figures. So Isis was originally depicted as a serpent, as Osiris, as offspring gods. And the parent gods, many of them were offspring gods as well. And in Christianity, we understand that as seraphim angels, which had serpent-faced uh, angels with six wings. And so you see this serpent imagery all over the world for both kings and for gods. But this imagery goes right back in all of the cultures to the same two things, wisdom and medicine. So you get the father of medicine in Greece from a god called Asclepius. And his right. son is Hippocrates, who all the doctors take the Hippocratic oath to. And his daughter was Hygieia, which is one of the symbols, the bowl of Hygieia with a snake on it for pharmaceutical associations. Although there's also the mortar and uh, uh, pestle, as we also get that on some of the on the pharmaceutical stores. But worldwide, it's mostly the bowl of Hygieia in terms of their imagery. And that's like a grail-like cup um, with the snake imagery on it. And it derives from, you know, taking these medicines or these pharmacias, which were either things that were created from herbs and things, or they could also be part of a ritual and a magical spell. That is just incredible, Gary. Like you're confirming so many things, so many things about this thesis that I'm rolling out are just, they're intuitively driven. And <clears throat> I brought as much evidence as I can to support this idea that what we're dealing with now with the pharmaceutical industry, which I'd like to remind everybody is literally one of the most powerful entities and agencies on the planet. I mean, even in, uh, in America, they are the number one lobbying groups. Uh, the big pharmaceutical companies are, you know, some of the most profitable industries in the world. They have full immunity on a lot of their products. Uh, they're constantly drugged into courts and, you know, being given fine criminal fines uh, up into the tune of billions of dollars. And yet they're still the ones that the whole world relies on. So there's an element of this that is a mass deception, which is to get people to blindly trust the God of the modern world, which is what I'm calling the cult of the medics, um, because people now feel like they can't survive or they can't thrive and they can't be healthy without these pharmaceutical drugs and with these doctors, etc. Yet the track record, as I'm showing, is... Uh, it's destruction of the human race. It's it's the creation of disease. It's the profiting off of disease. And I think it's even much worse. Would you say that, you know, how would you look at this pharmacia, all the symbolism, the occult, the secret societies in relation to what everybody calls big pharma? You know what I mean? Well, uh, you know, as I said um, a little earlier, big pharma is part of the oligopolies which now have all left-wing ideologies. We're seeing that manifested in public policy on a regular basis from all aspects of the oligopolies that are part of national socialism on a globalist scale. So look for this left-leaning global movement and government that's gonna have, will be working in partnership with the oligopolies with just a small little room for a little bit of free enterprise um, you know, for the, the lower classes, because the oligopolies are run by by the adepts and, and the wealthy and, and, and the bloodlines. So 
you have this 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 sort of world order that's going to be imposed that's just for the elite and it's that old caste system that's the old feudal system where they controlled all of the religion all of the large businesses they conclude you know, they control the government they control the arm they control the army and the religion and and all the education thereof and so they want to reinstate that on on a, on a global scale so when we talk look at how the pharmaceutical companies fit into that, they're going to provide some of the most important avenues that will be seized upon by all the other organizations that they're working with to bring about this new world order that they're trying to bring about. And so let's just look at pharmacy with an F, and I'm just going to give everybody a, a definition that you can look up on etymology online etymology online if you want it means a, a chemical a potion a treatment whether therapeutic or harmful as prepared by a sorcerer known as a charm and a spell and so this also includes wow. illegal drugs right and and the right, opioids the and, yeah yeah it includes all of that is how they're going to dumb down the world and be chemically um medicated to accept things they normally wouldn't do and we see that with the over prescription of pharmaceutical drugs today and i'm not against pharmaceutical drugs i take pharmaceutical drugs i have to stay alive but it's over prescribed and people are on so many different kinds of drugs prescribed or otherwise and then you've got all of the illicit drugs that are out there as well and it's all being driven by this very, very important part that looks at how they're going to bring about this coming together of technologies through the healthcare system. It will be the delivery system for the implant system that connects not only to things that will take care of you digitally or at whatever level, at the gene level or whatever technology that's going to be developed to do that, to make keep you healthy, to vaccinate you, and to provide you uh, with uh, additional knowledge and a link to sort of the Borg mind or the cloud or one central system that you can access knowledge to. But what it also does is it links you into a system where you're monitored 24 hours a day on everything. Right, so you're blowing my mind there a little bit. So we've got sort of the white magic and the black magic ritual here. So they're they're playing uh, good cop, bad cop in a way. And I think yeah. the reason they're doing this is because they need to elicit trust, right? Um, so they need to create the sense that they're here to take care of us. And I think in a way they want to take care of us to an extent in the same way that a farmer or a scientist working in a lab making all these chimerical creatures is, uh, you know, they're going to take care of those creatures up until the point that they become of use to them for whatever experiment they want to perform. And then, of course, as we saw with, you know, Joseph Mengele and some of these crazy scientists in history, um, they you're disposable at a certain point yeah. because they yeah. it's because of their view. They actually would you say they actually view us like farm animals that they are in charge of because they're the vicars of the gods, the fallen angels. Right. So they have to maintain a certain level of care. But the, at any time, they can thin the herd. They can alter a creature here and turn it into something else. They can They believe they have the right to violate freedom and dominate creation, right? Yes, they view us as cattle. And they want to cattle herd us with from two polar opposites, 
two poles apart ideas into the open arms of, of the globalists who have all of the solutions. And they have all of the solutions because they make all of these contrived catastrophes. And we're going to see more contrived catastrophes, and you're probably going to see them predicting more of those contrived catastrophes, which just as they have done poorly so far, like with, you know, New York being underwater by 2014 or 16 or whatever the prediction was, and all the other apocalyptic sort of prophets that were out of there coming out of the so-called scientific community who haven't quite got their modeling correct, but they use that still to scare people. You're going to see more of that. So whether or not it's famines or it's pestilence or it's earthquakes or it's wars or rumors of war that start working more and more together to push us to this new world order, they are contrived, created catastrophes where they have the solution and have the and open the door to take more rights away and to bring in more totalitarianism and less freedoms and less democracy as they go. And we saw a witness of this with a low level type of pestilence in the last couple of years. Right. And we've got the rumors of wars with Ukraine and Russia and all this, and they don't even have, to, it doesn't always have to be a real thing. They just have to be the prophets of doom to keep the fear going so that people remain compliant. Right. Um, yes. So let's move on then. This is incredible, by the way, let's move on to the second uh, point, which plays very well into the first, which is this, Knights Hospitaller Group, the Knights of Malta specifically. Um, I've been talking about them a lot in this series because if you think of even the term hospital or hotel or hostel, uh, you know, and you look at the history of, say, the, the, the battles between the Templars and the Hospitallers, you know, sometimes they're working together, sometimes they're against each other. They disband the Templars on the surface, at least, leaving aside the Cistercian orders, etc., for another conversation. But then the Hospitallers, or the they became the Knights of Rhodes, the Knights of St. John, then the Knights of Malta now. Um, they absorbed the wealth of the Templars, from what I've heard, and they actually even brought in the many of these rogue Templar knights into their own order because these Templars had gained a lot of this occult uh, alchemical knowledge from the, the Middle East when yeah. they were there on their pilgrimages. So fill in those gaps for us, Gary. Who are these Knights of Malta? In my opinion, I mean, they actually advocate that they're a military wing of the Catholic Church, so they're working for the Vatican in Rome. That's one of the heads of the snake of this thing, in my opinion. Um, how important are they, and how important and relevant are they to this pharmacia medical industrial complex? Yeah, this is an organization that has had an incredible amount of effect on our history and continues to have a lot of effect on the world today. They have almost like nation status. They're, they have the ability to sit at the UN with that status. They are connected uh, significantly to helping establish uh, the spy organizations around the world. Um, particularly in the West, so they're heavily connected into that. And they have the same roots and creations and organizational structure with a, just a different agenda as the Knights Templar did or the Teutonic Knights as the Nazis accepted them into their belief system as well, reflected in the SS, which they believed were modern Teutonic Knights in terms of uh, the imagery and the allegory that they put into the SS. And so the 
Knights of St. John, the Hospitallers, they actually are created about, say, 50 to 60 years before the Templars. And so they're around uh, helping people in about 1040. And they're named after St. John, but in secret societies and in Gnosticism, John the Baptist was uh, an Essene. He was a Gnostic, uh, not portrayed as he is in the Bible. So they accept them, but just with a polytheist lens into it. And that's who the society is, is named after. And as this organization develops to be a member of it, uh, particularly, you know, and in, in exclusively at the adept level, so the ones who are running the organization, you have to be of a pure royal bloodline, typically not the first son, usually the second son or the third son to be in this member. So it's a royal Masonic order within the Roman church, just as the Templars were, but working more from a military per, uh, perspective and a helping and a hospital sort of perspective in the beginning, but they sort of, I guess, evolve over time to be more of a militaristic arm and heavily involved in international intrigue throughout their, throwout their history. And one part of their history where it shows up that becomes very, very visible is the banking arm. As you said, they were very much uh, acceptance of fleeing Knights Templar when they were taken down in 1307. And so some of the wealth might have went to Scotland with the Sinclairs and the formation of, of the, uh, to the Sinclairs and the formation of Freemasonry. Some of it was taken over by, let's say, the Montessa order in Spain, controlled by the King of France, which uh, uh, a fellow by the name of Borgia was the Grand Master of the Contessa order uh, at the time when he sponsored for the Jesuits to uh, become an organization that will become the new Templars in, in the Catholic Church. But it was the Contessa order was established in 1307 to accept the assets of the Templars in Spain. You have another organization in Portugal, I won't go into it at, at this time, that was set up to do the same kind of thing with, with the wealth. But much and most of the wealth went to Switzerland. And it went to Switzerland, and this is the wealth of the Templars, because the Knights of St. John had already set up previously in Switzerland. And of course, it was naturally protected by mountains. And so that's where the first banking after the fall of the Templars, who created modern banking within the Catholic Church, set up um, with the now in control of the Knights of St. John, who have that white cross, which is on the flag of Switzerland. And then later you had through the King of Spain and the Montessa order and the takeover of, of the Jesuits from Ignatius of Loyola by Borgia in 1570, they get control of the banking through some sort of notorious nefarious means through blackmailing the Pope and threatening them and everything else. And they move that banking to Switzerland um, that's controlling the banking. So after the fall of the Knights of uh, of uh, of, of the Templars, the banking is controlled within the church by the Montessa order, which is working in partnership with the Knights of St. John, which hands it over to the Knights of St. John in Switzerland to control the banking, you know, inside the church. So, and outside the church, you're going to have the Rothschilds set up to replace the banking arm. And they've now in the last 
I can't remember quite when they moved, but in certainly in the last century or the last 50 years, they've moved their operations to Switzerland as well, which is the world center of banking that has all the major arms of banking. Incredible. And also the Rothschild comes from the name Red Shield, right? And who else has a Red Shield, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the Rosicrucians, of course. <laughs> That's it. And uh, the Red Dragon. <laughs> so it's, it's just amazing of, the connections. Like when yeah. you get into it, and and, and yeah, you got Red Cross. Yeah. The Red. Okay, so the Red Cross. So I did a bit about uh, the Red Cross. I've heard from different people that it's essentially operating now as somewhat of a slush fund in a way, and it's also um, there was a documentary called The Business of Blood. And um, it's basically about how a lot of people go with goodwill to donate their blood to the Red Cross. But a lot of people don't know what really happens to that blood after they do that. Essentially, uh, according to this documentary, they were saying that the Red Cross takes about, they only give about 20% of the blood donated to hospitals for transfusions, etc. The other 80% of at least the blood plasma is sold to the pharmaceutical industry for the purposes of doing some more pharmacia, you know, making more drugs. So they take our blood voluntarily, then they sell that to pharmaceutical companies that then make drugs out of that and then give it back to us in this whatever chemicalized form. So that to me really, really speaks of something like human farming. I mean, what else is it but that? Well, it's... A typical um, drug of what those who are in control do. They have an aspect that does good, which is that white magic, black magic, although that's more dualistic, so it's more 50-50, but it's sort of in that concept. But they set up those fronts to be able to do things behind the scenes that people aren't watching because they're watching the good things. So, and I think you're accurate on the number, about 20% only goes to blood transfusions, which is why they're continually requiring more blood, because the use does not match, and, and that's why it's going to other uses. And, and, and I believe you're also accurate on that it's being sold, and not only to the pharmaceutical companies, but to unknown organizations that are, you know, it's bought by sort of front companies for typically ritual based organizations let's call them secret right. societies for for lack of a, a better word and it's blood is a very very important part of this snake cult mm -hmm. um, the cult of medicine and and again i'm not against medicine i'm not against knowledge it's only how it's used that determines whether it's good or That's it's bad right. but and it's it would be a perfect a place sword. to hide wouldn't it it would be a perfect yes. place to hide if you had an agenda to rebuild feudalism with modern technocracy and, and AI, and you wanted to control the human race, you would need to hide behind the places they trust the most, which is why, yes. you know, they hide behind the church, right? But we know the darkness that comes out of some of the churches that doesn't make churches bad. It doesn't make religion yep. bad. It doesn't make, it just means they hide behind what people trust. It'd be the same yes. with the medical system. They want to be, it's blinded by the light, right? They're like, well, they know we, they know we're petrified of getting cancer or dying of a disease. I mean, clearly look at the last two years, but they're going to go, well, yeah, you need us. Come, come to us. It's the uh, mother Circe come into our church. Right. But then we're going to farm you and we're going to do experiments on you. And we're going to, 
you know, if we want to euthanize you, that's our right. So there's that element of it. With that said, respond to that. And then I'm just going to throw one word out at you. I'd just love to get your take on it. Adrenochrome. Whatever you got on that. So when we look at, uh, to answer the first part first, is uh, once you have um, this, this bank of knowledge that's working on different sort of parallel lanes, and we look at what they're doing with the blood to do also research on it, which is in part what the right. pharmaceutical companies are, are, are doing. It's an, blood is an important part of the royal bloodlines because you know, they track those genealogies. They typically all have RH negative blood. Um, and O negative is you know, the most sought after of, of the blood. It can be used for all other types. And the Windsors have O negative in it. And within that sort of culture of the, of the bloodlines, it's the most, um, uh, most valuable uh, of the bloodlines. But, you know, when you look at how does a negative aspect enter into the blood, it doesn't make any sense. So how do you, if you're adding something, you can't, it can't be negative because Rh negative is missing the, the D antigen. And so it comes from the gene. It's the gene of Isis that is the ability to manifest the different kinds of blood, including the Rh negative blood. That's important. So that's why they also like to track DNA. So they're tracking blood, they're tracking DNA, and then they have all of these other things that are out there like Ancestry.com and everything that are data pools to track the genealogies. This is all part of that cult, that um, genealogies as to who their descendants are is where you fit in their hierarchy as well as the purity of those bloodlines and the purity of that blood and the purity of the genes that they like to call the, the spark of the, of the divine. And so when we look at all the things that they're doing out there to access that information, you have to wonder how that is going to be able to affect alchemy, pharmaceuticals, vaccines, whatever you want to uh, call it, to manipulate our DNA. And typically, they're going to do that probably through a digital-based sort of concept. And we've seen the introduction of that digitally-based ability to talk to biological cells. And later, it'll be probably a, a larger development into the genes with the mRNA technology. And that works perfectly well with the digital sort of implant down the road. And, and these are different sort of lanes that are going to have a nexus point as that technology sort of develops. And so we're going to see stronger types of viruses that are gonna be created. And these are part of the uh, contrived catastrophes. And the Chinese are on record as saying that the next war um, will be fought with biological weapons and that they're well prepared for that. Um, and so I don't think it's coincidence that you would have a 99% sort of a surety that you have a virus uh, let loose on the world that was a Frankenstein creation because it's contrived. Yeah. Whether or yeah. not it was leaked or, or was set out on purpose, not, not the point. It's that it's not natural. And so, 
what we're going to get are things that are not natural that are coming down that will be able to change your DNA at the gene level and lower and actually start to get to what manufactures the genes in your system, to put it in, in layman terms, that are going to uh, give you powers granted by the people who are distributing that. And of course, that won't be evenly based. And Isn't there so, another element of that too, where because they're injecting this technology into us, that's actually altering us on a genetic level, um, that they are patenting that technology and therefore they yes. feel like they're claiming ownership over you. And isn't that what this whole thing is about is who owns genetics, who owns the resources of the planet and the land of the planet? Yeah. And, and you get ownership through taking over your physical body, possessing it as in a demon aspect um, or swearing an oath in manners that will sell your soul or your spirit, as we would understand it in Christianity and both. Um, and or you would have uh, your physical nature taken over uh, through the changing of your DNA. They call that violations to the laws of creation. And it has a, in I think in all aspects of the spiritual realm, whether or not you're talking about Christian or Muslim or Judaic or polytheism, that is a bargain with the devil as it's come to known, right? And I'll give you a, an example. This would be part of the oath aspect and that will all work in common. Not only will you have your genes changed, but you will be expected to swear an oath of allegiance as they start to part those worthy to receive these new technologies from those who aren't worthy to be in this world or only for ritual or only for uh, sacrifice or for to be eliminated as in genocide, whatever, whichever route that they might go with that. And so in the Bible, we get an account of Moses when he dies, that Satan is there to take his body. And God sends Michael to stop that. What's going on here? It's, I mean, it's one of those things that most people just don't connect dots on. It's a very odd story. I mean, this was one of the great patriarchs in monotheism, whether it's Judaism, Christianity, or Islam. They all connect back to right. Moses. Moses was raised in, in, uh, as a Hebrew as a baby that was floated away and found and raised as the bloodline of the pharaohs. He was educated in Heliopolis, the home of the therapeutic, the home of the wisdom cult and the medicine cult of Egypt. And in that cult, he would have been raised into adepthood. And in those cults and rituals, you are going to swear as an adept your loyalty to the gods and ultimately to, to, to Satan. And so Satan owned his soul. And so when he died, Satan was there to collect. The difference is, is that from a biblical perspective, God is greater than Satan and he vetoed it. But even from a Christian perspective, as opposed to all of the sort of horror movies and occultism that we hear about, this seems to transcend all of that. That suggests that when you give up your body willingly, and you violate the laws of creation and blasphemy the Holy Spirit and or swear an oath that 
Satan owns you and you are reserved at least from the taking of the mark of the beast for human beings in the last three and a half years of this age that you will be reserved for the lake of fire as with all of the um, fallen angels. So it does something with the coming implant system that's going to change your DNA to a level that it would blasphemy the Holy Spirit and violate the laws of creation. However, I guess on the flip side, if you, if you implement the free will that was granted to humanity to not sell your soul to the devil in that way, then you call upon divine protection in that regard from yes. that happening. That is what you are doing. That's the real salvation process in that sense that you're, you are not wanting to um, operate in the laws of this cult. You're going to the higher laws of the creator. Yes, and you have free choice to do that, and everything is played out through right. free choice, and you've stated that very, very, very accurately. So how you counter that, then, is you dumb down the population through brainwashing, preparation, and mm -hmm. through pharmacopoeia. Gen genetically yes. altering. Well, quickly, then, the second... Altering. Oh, yeah, there's so many facets. Well, then, um, you were talking about the cult ritual, the, the freaky cult ritual, and how there's this ancient serpent you know, Setian, Satanic cult element of it all. Um, because, of course, we're dealing with the people that have abnegated their free will and are are serving something else. And we see this coming out about the Hollywood scene, Jeffrey Epstein, you know, um, uh, what's her name? The the, the witch of Hollywood uh, that runs that, Abramovich or whatever, working with the Rothschilds. And you have all that stuff. And then you have this idea that's actually been talked about in many ancient texts of... of ancient types of rituals going back to the Aztecs and before um, where there is the consuming of the blood of children. And I know this is very dark and I know this is kind of mm -hmm. scary, but it seems like the world is catching on to some of this. Um, and there's been a lot of uh, talk about this thing called adrenochrome, which has even been spoken about openly in, in movies. Uh, and uh, you know, they had uh, Jim Caviezel who played in the passion of the Christ. He actually came right out and said it that that's what they're doing in some of these cults in Hollywood. Um, and so if I think about this overall, everything you've been talking about as this kind of being, they look at us as a human farm, there's something about that adrenalized blood that acts as a drug for them and might even be also something that's required for, to satiate the gods uh, if we turn to mythology and scripture. Uh, what's your take on this subject of adrenochrome? Oh, I think... I think you have to um, look at our history and the emphasis on blood and say there's something and, and come to a conclusion, whatever your end conclusion is, there's something special about the blood. And, you know, biblically, we're told, I mean, our life is in our blood. And in the occult, uh, children's blood is because is so valuable because it's completely and it hasn't had an opportunity to sort of choose from free will, right? As to mm. where they're going to go and where they're going to follow. Drinking of blood was a ritual aspect of the Nephilim um, before the flood of all of the giants. And after they lost their immortality, they turned to not only cannibalizing humankind, but drinking their blood to give them a longer life and increase their cognitive abilities.
and it became sort of a root sort of part of the royal bloodlines of the ritual. So the blood drinking is reserved for mostly the pure bloods and, and the highest of, of, of the adepts. And, you know, when you look at, let's say, the Dracula stories that's based on Vlad the Impaler and Dracula meets between son of a dragon, which goes back to that serpent imagery and drinking of that blood to give you that immortality and preying on humankind and using them as cattle. And dragon is the patriarchal bloodline of the royal families as opposed to the fairy allegory for the matriarchal one. And things sort of come into play, understanding that Vlad the Impaler was, you know, not it was was son of another Vlad and was he was introduced into an organization called the Sarkhan Iran that's also known more applicably to the conversation as the uh, Ordo Draconis, who were there to take the thrones back from the uh, Catholic-sponsored kingships and to pursue the wisdom of Thoth, who was the god of wisdom in ancient Egypt, part of that whole Egyptian a therapeutic cult that the Essenes also then took on within Judaism, and which is the mystical Judean aspect of of, of the therapeutic, and are considered um, themselves uh, part of the of the Heliopolis religion. And so, we have um, this 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 sort of coming together of the of this ancient understanding of the consumption of blood that it's part of becoming physical gods in the physical world and for some reason there was sacrifice onto the gods of as in some cultures thousands of people at a time where they will pour their blood down over the altars and it would stream down from 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 the temples and so it's a it's a significant worship of the gods that somehow these gods draw power off of that as well. I don't think it's just a sadistic thing of trying to slaughter off. I think they actually gain something of people who have given themselves to them that somehow they gain something out of that. Now that's speculation on my part uh, as it opposed to what we do know about what the giants did uh, who are the roots to the royal families as they take their genealogies back to those descendants and to specific fallen angels. So I think there's two aspects of that. And I think we're going to need to be aware of how both sacrificing to higher powers and to the consumption in various ways of blood are going to maybe resurface and become a little bit more known and part of the accepted cult of what you're going to have to be part of. Right, because from what I've heard, that being a part of these types of rituals and in this cult is something that you have to do to really get up to the higher elite levels yes. in places like Hollywood or business or some of these different things. So they do this process of trying to bring people in, flush out the moral people that have a problem with it, and then elevate the people that are willing to basically sell their soul for it. Um, yeah. And, you know in the physicality of the human being, the blood would be an aspect of that soul in the way that they see it. That's sort of the fit. Yes. Cause that's what keeps you alive. And there's even in Christianity, there's, you know, the blood of Christ, uh, in the, the story, there's all this, there is a lot of talk about the sacredness of blood, 
Um, yes. They even when in the Catholic religion, you know, taking the drinking the blood of Christ. Um, it's sort of a, a, a remnant of that. Um, not to say that that's good or bad. It's just it's it's there in it's all of everywhere. Them. And, it's, yes. it's, and it's in all. It was interesting, Gary. And I know that I love you because you will also think you look outside the box as well and gain information from all these different ancient texts to, to, to coordinate. And you start to see a lot of similarities there of these types of rituals that are coming out from all over the ancient world. And we're in this modern age of the post-industrial revolution where we think, oh, all that stuff was just ancient uh, you yeah. know, caveman stuff. It's all dead and gone. Uh, just like pharmacia, all that, that witchcraft, that yeah. magical witchcraft stuff, that's just all gone. But wh what I think is that, no, no, that was well-preserved at the top levels. It's just that Maybe you can comment on that. And then also the compartmentalized structure here where it's not like every doctor and nurse and scientist and pharmacist knows any of this stuff. They don't realize what sits well above them. Yes. Um, but but that at the top of that, these guys believe what you're talking about, whether people watching this believe it or not. These people absolutely do, don't they? Yeah. And, and I like to remind people because I get asked a lot, do you believe a lot of what they say in my response is that it's not important whether I believe it or not. What's important is, is that they believe it and what they're doing with that belief. And so we need to right. be completely aware of that. This is, you know, the wizard that's pulling or the puppeteer pulling the strings. And so you're right. There's a lot of people who are so brainwashed or so naive that they're not asking critical questions as to what's what and who is calling the shots here and what's the end game here they're not asking good questions on that so they just follow orders do and they go on on with their lives even educated people do that as you say in the scientific community and the rosy cross order is uh, the rosicrucians it is one of the most important organizations that are sort of at the nexus point of the lower levels and, and the pure bloodlines and you brought up Hollywood a lot today, well, not a lot, but a few times today. And the Rose, the Rosie Cross Order um, is the order that is keeping their history alive, right? And so they, they have a big impact in what happens in literature and in education and in Hollywood. And mm -hmm. it is their MO to have things that are written and in the modern world on film and in pictures and stuff that represent that history. And so I don't think a lot of the actors are adept. I think they get uh, the actors and the directors and the writers, they get fed information to get their ideology of the, of the Rosie Cross order and their ancient history that's out there. So it's important because they're keeping you prepared for what they're doing. That they plan for down the it's road. Like they have you to will tell you, right? Accept it. That a, they have to tell you, and B, they want you to accept it. So they want to properly prepare right. you for it. So, you know, when we look at, um, let's say, Lewis and Tolkien, who were in the uh, Oxford and in the Inkling Society, who learned the craft to tell this kind of history. Well, you can't join the Inklings, even though you're at Oxford. And A, if you're at Oxford, you probably have some wealth or some importance at that point in time. Uh, and because the Inkling Society was a Rosy Cross, Rosicrucian, Golden Dawn order. That's quite high up compared to uh, a Freemason, let alone 
third degree Freemason as an adept or 33rd degree in the Scottish Rite. It's, it's much higher. But yet these two who have no records of being part of secret societies are in the Inkling Society, learning their craft and getting all of this information to write about it. With them, though, it's a little bit different than information being fed to Hollywood writers in most cases. They don't have a record of secret societies because they were purebloods. And so they're initiated from childhood. They can't take adept status until I think past 25 in the pureblood orders. And so they don't have that sort of typical Masonic or Freemasonic um, record to it. But they were initiated since childhood and far above an adept, which means that Rosicrucian, where I'm talking about in terms of, of the hierarchy, is higher than Illuminati. And it's that area that connects in, into, into the purebloods. So they had that knowledge. They were just in the Inkling Society to develop the writing craft, right? It's part of that organizational structure that they've had in place for millennium to keep their history and their religion alive. But in the arts, as in the seven liberal arts of the seven sacred sciences, that they can't openly talk about because they don't want people rising up against them. So they put it out there in front of you so that you're aware of it. And they even tell you what the end game is going to look like in all of this entertainment and literature. And they know that nobody really understands what's written in there. And only if you're an adept do you understand all of the language and the meanings that are in the fairy tale. Because the fairy tale is a story that's very, very interesting and good to watch. But what's embedded in there with the allegories and the symbolism tells the rest of the story. Right. So they sometimes bring these people in just to tell their story for them, whether they know it or not doesn't mean everybody yep. involved is necessarily evil or fully aware of what's happening. They might even be very good yes. moral people that are just, but they're yes. used. Yeah, this is exactly. the thing. They yeah. can use it. They can use anybody, right? So the last question I'll have for you, Gary, is uh, something I've been thinking about, which is all of this stuff that's been exploding with the whole genders thing, the transgenders, the, the young people coming out now. You see them all over TikTok. They're they are sitting there talking about how the, they get to change their gender and their identity by the second of the day based on how they feel. And a lot of people are looking at it like, well, what's the source of this sudden explosion of this? I mean, we've seen little inklings of it in the past, but in the last, say, 10 years, it's been exploding. And, and I've got a few theories I wanted to run past you. Uh, one, of course, is the psychological cultural conditioning from places like Hollywood, et cetera. But I feel like that doesn't quite explain it. I think there's also something on a biological uh, level that is happening where we know that they've been uh, putting these chemicals, these gender bender chemicals in food supplies, water supplies, you know, things like atrazine and glyphosate. They've also been, I think, putting this stuff within these vaccines. And uh, this isn't just conspiracy theory. There's a lot of people that have come from very high up within pharma that have talked about some of the impacts that like aborted fetal cell tissue uh, can have uh, that even some of the, uh, the, the, the genetically modified ingredients and everybody vaccinates their kids for the most part, except for the people that actually research what this is all about. And they they've made that subject so sensitive that you can't ever talk about it, which is interesting. And they've gotten rid of all the scientists that have any questions about it. And now look at the vaccine schedule in the past 20 years, just going up and up and up and up. And so if you combine the food 
the water, the soil, the vaccines, the types of things that these guys are exposed to psychologically, these children that are these new, this new generation that's super confused about who they are, they were raised in the peak of that. And so yes. I think that maybe there's a psychological and even alchemical agenda to start erasing their humanity and their individual uniqueness and their, even their identity and to confuse them in that way. It's not just coming from a fact that they are jumping onto a trend. It's also being changed at a biological level by all these different things. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think a couple of things are going on there. One is it's a ongoing human live experiment on how you can change the body, how you can change the physical body um, in this world and manipulate it. And the second thing is, is I think it hits at the level of preparing and or brainwashing the people to accept things that they normally wouldn't have accepted because you get used to it. It's like an evolution of this technology and the more you see it and the more it happens and the more peer pressure that is put on, um, you, 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 you tend to, uh, to start accepting it. So I think there's, as I say, I think there's a number of things that are, that are going on here and that ultimately when they come out with, uh, things that you would never, ever accept. They will present not only that in a way that, yeah, this is good for me. This is where humankind is going to evolve into gods, evolve maybe even past gender, and to be like gods who can take a form of, of their choice, just as, um, you know, you see that show that's out there called Altered carbon where they can store your spirit and, right. and your spirit requires uh, uh, a dwelling place, an oiketarian as it's called in Greek coming out of the Bible, which is the soul and the body. And that if you can capture that consciousness or that spirit, you could transplant that into another body. So you could be male or female of your choice with a different sleeve or whatever they called it in that movie. And I think they're preparing us for that because if you look at the gods that are behind a lot of these groups, they are gods that choose a form of their choice. And they can be female or they can be male. Or And you get visions that say of the satyr gods, the goat gods, I think they're degraded gods, but like Baphomet or Azazel as he's described as a goat or Cernunos or Cern or Bacchus or Pan or all of these goat gods, they have in a lot of depictions an effeminate quality in a number of sort of aspects about them as, as if they carry both uh, in, in that physical sort of sense. And I think that's part of that preparation as well. So I think they're hitting on a lot of levels. They, they're not where they can be to implement everything that they want, but they're all walking. And I look at it as many, many different lanes of technology and tactics. Right in all different fields and areas that are working in separate lanes that will have a nexus point. And, but we're not there yet because our technology is not there yet, but it's developing rapidly. Wow. Just incredible stuff, Gary, man. You're just a wealth of knowledge. Um, I highly encourage people to check out your work, uh, I guess, to leave people on a bit of a light note here. Cause I know this is pretty dark. We touched on it, but I just want to reiterate my personal feelings on this, that it's the act of knowing this. It's or the the process of knowing what we're talking about, being aware of these agendas and these different things 
that now gives humanity a choice. So each and every one of us, when you hear this kind of information, you now have a choice. Am I going to continue going along with this and trusting these people and allowing myself to become a cattle, a, a sheep on their farm? Or am I going to reclaim my freedom? Am I going to connect with that Holy Spirit, as you said, that, that, that spirit of truth? Um, am I going to uh, make my own decisions and reclaim my mind and, and kind of pull myself out of this matrix? Because the more people that do that, um, to me, it gives me the indication that there's hope because if people reclaim their freedom and connect back to that God source um, and reject these cults, then the game is over. It's like if Jim Jones wanted to start a cult to take everybody to Guyana to get them to drink Kool-Aid, he would be out of business the moment that nobody signed up for his cult. You know what I'm saying? That's just my take on it. But do you have any kind of positive news to wrap this up for us, Gary? Well, the, the, the positive news is, is we still have free choice. Um, but exercising that free choice is going to take discipline and wisdom and strength. And we're getting a hint that what will happen if you go against the standard dogma, you're you're going to be canceled, bank accounts are going to be frozen, you are going to have new laws legislated against you to put you in jail for infinity, you won't be able to get driver's licenses, you won't be able to participate. And But what I would say to people though, this is what's coming, we're seeing sort of the birth pangs, the beginning of sorrows on that, but we're not there yet. And so is the mRNA technology disturbing? Yes. Is it the mark of the beast? No. Is, is it part of the technology that's coming to, to develop it? Yes. So we need to understand where we are and we need to push back, but we need to push back in a way where we don't create an open door for the totalitarians to step in and put in martial law. We need to be visible, we need to be out there, and we need to understand that there's going to be pushback in significant ways, as what we see with the cancel culture that's out there. But we need to do it in a way that people will want to hear more of what we say, not run away from us as being lunatics or um, you know, people that are just too radical in, in their point of view. We, we, we have to pose it in ways that people will understand and will, if they see more of what we're talking about, may come around and say, hey, there's more to this. We're waking up and they'll have some cognizant dissonance as they're waking up and they may, it may take some more things to happen. But if we can help prepare people for what to expect, not saying we're prophets, but just playing out the strategic and the tactical play that we know what they're going to do, then we can help people say, if you start to see this, then you know this is heading in a direction where you're going to have to make a hard choice. So probably sooner than better, sooner than later. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's my goal with this series and my work. And I know that's what your goal is as well. So uh, thank you, Gary. Amazing conversation. I, we could go on for hours about so many things. We'll have to do this again soon. People, go check him out. Genesis6conspiracy.com. Get his book. It is loaded, loaded with research and stuff that you can go and learn about yourself. You don't have to listen to me or Gary. Uh, this is about free will. This is about learning about this information. Uh, whether you take it all or not, that's totally up to you. 
But what Gary's laid out here is what he said earlier, which is this is what these people believe. And this is how they are acting in accordance with this worldview. And that means we have to ask ourselves, what do we believe? What do I believe? And how am I going to act in accordance with my worldview? And um, I think that, uh, you know, in the end, the truth is going to win out. So thank you, Gary. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. here today with dedicated colleagues from within the Department of Justice as well as beyond it to announce a historic settlement with Pfizer Incorporated arising out of civil and criminal allegations relating to Pfizer's allegedly illegal promotion of various drugs. In a combination civil and criminal settlement, Pfizer has agreed to pay $2.3 billion, the largest healthcare fraud settlement in the history of the Department of Justice. Pfizer execs are now fighting for control of the secret recipe that's raking in a fortune for them. There are pockets and, and, and significant pockets of the country where vaccines aren't happening because of those, you know, the anti-vaxxers or whatever you want to call them. We could turn this around and we could do it efficiently and quickly if we just get those people vaccinated. That's why it's so important now in this crisis that we're in that people put aside any ideologic, political or other differences and just get vaccinated. Over 143 million COVID-19 doses have been administered here in the U.S. As more and more Americans get their shots, many are wondering just how common it is for vaccinated people to get infected with the virus. say is that we're all actually completely on the same page when it comes to driving vaccinations and making sure that we're doing everything that we can to reach people that we need to. This is an issue of, this is an issue, sir, I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer the questions of the accredited media. This week we're going to look at a puzzle of how a vaccine that was hailed as a vital achievement finds itself in a scientific and political storm. It has turned out to be more of a serious issue than previously thought. We're talking about myocarditis happening to some young people after getting the coronavirus vaccine. Fully vaccinated people do have the potential to be able to transmit COVID-19 to others. Breaking news from Pfizer, the company now saying its COVID-19 vaccine is safe and effective for kids aged five to 11. There is no way to explain the tens of thousands of deaths that have been reported to um, the CDC and to the European Medicines Agency, and yet these products persist in being on the market. There's no explanation that is innocent. There is not. Any thinking person has to conclude that what's happening is a global coup. That's it. It's a global coup. If everything that was happening was innocent, they would have stopped all of the spending. They wouldn't have silenced all the doctors and scientists. They wouldn't have given this to innocent children and pregnant women. They wouldn't have done anything that they've done. They would have taken these off the market. They wouldn't have changed the definition of pandemic. They wouldn't have changed the definition of a vaccine. They wouldn't have done all the things that they've done if there was an innocent explanation. We know a crime is being committed. 
We know that there is a cover operation going on right now. We know that there is a willful act of misleading the public and doing so at the public's harm. We know that's happening. Judy Roberts' husband, Gene, also took the shot. Yes, I looked at that document. I signed it. Nothing on there said I was going to have a heart attack or I can get Guillain-Barre, which I never heard of. Did anyone ever come to you and say, you know something, fellas? There's the possibility of neurological damage if you get into a mass immunization program. No. Dr. Michael Hatwick directed the surveillance team for the swine flu program at the CDC. His job was to find out what possible complications could arise from taking the shot and to report his findings to those in charge. Did you know ahead of time, Dr. Hatwick, that there had been case reports of neurological disorders, neurological illness, apparently associated with the injection of influenza vaccine? Absolutely. You did? Yes. How'd you know that? By review of the literature. So you told your superiors, the men in charge of the swine flu immunization program, about the possibility of neurological disorders? Absolutely. Pharmakia, pharmacus, and pharmacos, and they're basically the same words, just sort of different combinations like sorcery, sorcerers, things like that. And this goes back to a concept that goes back into ancient history that is embedded into the secret societies like the Rosicrucians and the Freemasons. Mm -hmm.